Please be seated. It's so awesome to be here. Um, um, so a couple things just as an introduction. Uh, I, I, it's a real pleasure to serve on the Board of Governors with Bishop, uh, for Bishop Bill Hammond with two really powerful apostles that are over this house, from, from what I understand, Apostles Greg and Judy Bailey. Uh, it's a real honor to know them and to fellowship with them. But I want you to know um, they are so well-loved uh, at Christian International and so highly respected. And sometimes, sometimes you just need to know who you're sitting under from other people's perspective that you are extremely blessed by the Lord to have such a powerhouse uh, a, a couple and two of the most incredibly anointed apostles and prophets that I have personally ever been around. And I'm around a lot of them because I serve on a board with them. But uh, can you give them a hand clap of praise, your apostles <laughs> over this house? I love them. I've been staying in their home, and it's been so much fun. Um, and I'll have to tell you, they're the real deal. What you see is what you get. They're, and I love that about them. And and now I can understand why when I around people at Christian International that know your pastors, <laughs> that, that actually know your pastors, Brad and Sarah, how they were, when I told them I may be going to Australia, it looks like I'll be going to Australia this year, and they said, oh, you're going to be so excited to meet the pastors there. They're just awesome. And I, yes, let's give your pastors a hand clap of praise. I was uh, privileged to go to their home and see all the, their beautiful home and all they're doing there, and, and I'm falling in love with the kids. I, 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 you're my fam now. It's forever. It's forever house, and I'm included, all right? I am now part of the fam. And I uh, just love your kids. And, I, and, and now I met mom that is Julie's mother. She's here today, so yay. This is like a homecoming uh, feeling. But, um, you know, uh, Pastor Brad was talking about the platform. It was shaking. Um, and I don't think that this is coincidental that he noticed this because um, I do believe that there are certain things in the foundation of this house that are becoming firmer. But uh, we had a ladies' conference at our church. It's been a while back, and we had just built our brand-new building, and my husband and I, we've been in the home-building business. Our family's been in the home-building business for over 70 years, and so we love to build houses, and that was one of the things I enjoyed in my lifetime is going out to the construction site. And, uh, and actually, when you get out of the car, when they're putting up the framing, the wood framing, you can smell the wood, uh, the freshly cut lumber. You can smell it when you get out of the car and you walk up to the house. And I used to just love, I know it sounds weird, but it, I love the smell of fresh cut lumber. There is something exciting about, you know that something's about to happen, the framework's going up, You've laid a foundation, but something exciting is about to happen. And so we had a ladies' conference in our brand-new building, and we, had, we were packed out, totally packed out. We were pulling out chairs. And my friend, and, and I was on the platform because I, uh, I was helping with praise and worship. J uh, Jane Hammond was there with me, several uh, keynote people at Christian International. 
And um, Barbara Yoder got the microphone. I don't know if you know Barbara Yoder here or not, but she's um, a key, a real key person in the United States. And she says, everybody that wants the anointing, come to the front quickly. Well, I, what she meant was, you know, come up here to the, you know, the altar area. They all ran and jumped on the platform. All right, now, it was, it was held up by little wooden, you know, uh, boards and nails and 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 it was a, it was it was about the same size as this we were a little higher we had like five or six steps going I mean, we, I mean we weren't elevated so we were high and lifted up but enough to where people could see me because I'm so short you know so in all these we had at least 200 and they all ran up and it was like BAM they all jumped on it like this and my husband and all of a sudden I smelled fresh cut wood, <laughs> but it wasn't a good smell. I'm like, oh, this is familiar. Where's this coming from? And my husband, who's at the back of the church, kind of running things, during, it was a ladies' conference, like I said, he runs up the aisle and he said, get down, get down, get down. And so I'm like, get down from what? You know, and all of a sudden, the whole platform and you, you think Titanic, it kind of <laughs> cracked in the middle, you know, it cracked somewhere and the whole ship, the entire platform cracked and we were all falling down into this big hole, you know, that just kind of broke down the middle. We're all like falling and, 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 I, and it was scary. And the women were falling off the side, you know, thank God we didn't have a lawsuit, but um, but <laughs> we, we had to, overnight, we, all of our men had to meet and it restore. They had to tear the whole platform apart, go in there, restake all the lumber, redo the whole thing. And then we got all these prophetic words like, God's going to lay a new foundation. God's going to, you know, do all this. And it was like, that is not a word I wanted to hear, you know. But he did. He did do that. But what I've just kind of thought, that when he was talking about that, that memory came back to me like, okay, this, this aggressiveness that shakes does something powerful in the spirit. And uh, for the whole rest of the uh, seminar, everybody knew, if anybody said, come up to the front quickly, you are not to get on the platform. And so it was, it was a wild experience, but it was one that you will never, you know, you never forget something like that. But I'm telling you, God's doing something powerful in this house. You really are shifting. My whole message this morning is around a, a, a shift that you're involved in. During worship, I literally saw, like, people were trapped in the wilderness. And it's because they didn't see a way out. It was like the path had not was not clear the path and some of you you know you're supposed to be cycling out of the wilderness but you're afraid to step out because you don't see the path yet but the lord is saying if you'll just take steps in faith out of where you have been god will complete the entire path for you so he's dealing with a fear of stepping out and trusting god you really are in a new season and so that is my message this morning. Get ready 
Get ready for your new season, but I want to entitle this, Change Your Mind, Change Your Season. If you change the way you think, you can change the season that you are in. So I want to talk to you about times and seasons this morning. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, there's a passage in there that many of us are familiar with. In fact, it, when I was younger, it used to be a very popular song. I remember Peter, Paul, and Mary. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I'm, I'm kind of over some of your generational time frames here. But, um, but, it, but they used to sing a song that went right with this verse. Peter, Paul, and Mary sang it. They were not the ones that originally wrote it and sang it. But it was, it was the same words here. To everything, there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. How many of you have read this before? There's been many, many messages that have been preached about this. A time to be born, a time to die. You know, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which plants. So many of you in your lives can probably identify a season when you went through a season of great joy, but then you went through a, a, a time where there was uh, sorrow, you went through a time where there was mourning, and then all of a sudden you're in a season where you're able to, by the Spirit of the Lord and His grace, turn, turn your mourning into dancing. So this is our life in God. There are different times and seasons. And it says this in verse 11, if you skip down, He made everything beautiful in His time. So when we think about that, no matter what time we're in, no matter what season it's in, if we keep our eye on God, it can always remain a beautiful season. It's hard sometimes to focus on it being beautiful, but beautiful has its own definition within itself. Even when you're crying, we can look to the Lord, and He Himself is beautiful in all that He did. What He did, what He did on the cross to me is a beautiful thing. So when we look at times and season in, in this particular passage, it is talking about times and seasons generally. It's not, it's not really specific. Um, it's, not re it, it's not really referring to an exact appointed time that we are in God sometimes. It's, it's simply a general term for times. It would be like telling our kids, it's time to get up. It's time to go to school. Hey, it's time to go to church. You know, it's not sometimes like at 9.15, like we tried to get out the door this morning at 9.15, and we didn't. It was sometimes after that. But it was like a general, like we're going to try to leave here at 9.15, or it's like we're going to get up and go to church in the morning around, you know, you, you set a time, but it's not exactly appointed, and it, you know, has to, well, you shift into it. It's not like a major shift. It's just a general time frame, like, hey, kids, let's all go to, it's time for you to go to bed, so the kids start, you know, oh, dad, you know, you go through all that. We don't want to, and then by the time you get to bed, it's like 30 minutes later. You know what I'm talking about? So, it's not really all that specific. It's a general term, but I want, to, I want you to, to think about uh, something else this morning. I want you to focus on this. There's something big really about to happen. Something really big. You are on the verge for something really, really, really big. You're in a big shift time. 
So First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, this is Apostle Paul talking, he's speaking here. So what he's saying to us, he's speaking to believers. And he's saying, but about times and seasons, I really don't need to write to you about it because as believers, you should know what time and season you are in because you hear God. So many times we get so many prophecies and we get prophetic words and it's like God is speaking to us about a shift like he is this morning. And as believers, we should be immediately locking our faith into that word and knowing that we're about to shift into a new season. So he's saying, I shouldn't even have to write to you and remind you of where you are in the times and seasons of God. Such as this year, 2018, the prophetic declaration was this is a year of new beginnings this is a year of open doors and this is a day of double grace you know, so when, when the prophetic word begins to come forth and begins to prophesy these shifts and the seasons that we are in we shouldn't have to get more and more and more prophetic words you know decreeing that we're in a new season but i am here to just remind you that you are in a big shift into a new season. But there's more revelation that God wants to bring into this. So as Apostle Paul is talking about times, so he, no, notice he doesn't say just times, but, but of the times, I shouldn't have to tell you. And he doesn't just say of the seasons, I shouldn't have to remind you. He says both times and seasons. So in this passage, the word time is the word it's the word chronos which is where we get the word chronological time now that's the natural order of things like uh, uh, tick tock time it's uh, it's where january follows december february follows january march follows february you understand that's normal chronological time two o'clock follows one o'clock three o'clock follows two o'clock etc etc that's a chronos time. My timepiece, my watch that I have on this uh, morning, that is every day tick-tock, tick-tock time as it goes along chronologically, day in, day out. But the word seasons is different. Seasons in this passage is the word kairos. And kairos is an actual interruption in our normal tick-tock time to insert the favor of the Lord in our lives. It is a divine interruption in your everyday walk with God. It's like tick-tock chronos time is you set your alarm at 6, you're having breakfast by 6.45. You're in your car at 7. You're driving to work. You know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Every day you don't think about it. You just go along and you just go to your job. You come home, get the kids. You, you know, that's every, it's an expectation of your TikTok time. But when God brings a Kairos shift, it is a season of divine favor. He interrupts your daily activity and inserts a, a season, a, a 
of tremendous breakthrough and favor. And he does this because he's God and he can. And he wants to. He wants to do that. It's God's time, it's God's choice, and it's God's divine interruption and to bring you into a time of favor. That was also one of the words of the Lord that came forth this year. Double favor, double grace, double favor, open doors, etc. So I'm here to tell you this morning, a new season is coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for your new season. It's time to get ready for your time of favor. It's time to get your faith up for your new season. Now, I have some good news, some more good news to tell you, and I have some bad news. This is going to be a joke. Okay, so don't get scared. <laughs> Y'all got really quiet on me. So, you know, uh, now, over my, I'm older than a lot of you here, but there, I like, you know, I've heard good, uh, bad joke. I mean, good news and bad news jokes for a long, long time. I don't know if y'all have ever heard them, but so I went on the internet and found one because I hadn't heard one in a while. So here, there's this doctor, and he has a patient that he's talking to, and he tells his patient, well, I have some good news, and I have some bad news for you. And the patient says, well, I think maybe... I need the good news first. And so the doctor says, uh, well, you have 24 hours to live. And he said, oh, my goodness, if that's the good news, what is the bad news? And the doctor said, well, I've been trying to get in touch with you since yesterday. <laughs> well, I have some good news and I have some bad news for you today. The bad news is this. Many of us have missed our seasons. We got stuck. We made some bad decisions. We overextended maybe God's grace and went out on our, in our own strength, which I know I've been, you know, um, privy to that mistake, you know, trying to do things in my own strength myself, not waiting on God. I know none of you can relate to this because you're all perfect. Because your pastors told me so. <laughs> but we, we, got, we got really stuck, and so many times we end up in the wilderness again, and we just keep going round and round and round. And sometimes it's the, our mistakes, yes, that get us in a wilderness, but many times... Like with the children of Israel, God led them there so that he could work on their hearts to deliver them out of that. And so God wants to deliver us out of a stuck place today. And the good, this, so I gave you uh, some bad news that you're, some of you are stuck. But the good news is this, God can catch you up to your new season. And, and when, in a Kairos season of favor it's a catch-up time it's where everything works together for good and all of a sudden you're in this divine interruption and it's like you're eons ahead of where you were and you have no idea how you shifted into this momentum of divine favor some of you with families you've missed out 
on, on great things that have happened in your families, but in a Cairo shift, God catches you up to speed with your grandkids and your children, the families uh, coming together again. Maybe in the job, you've missed out on promotions. You've missed out on, on you know, all of these opportunities, and you felt like you've been in the wilderness. But when God, when he brings a Cairo shift, that, that he's prophesying to you today. It's your season for Kairos. Get your faith up for it. Then all of a sudden, you've got this promotion, and then, then it's so wonderful. And all these other things are being restored to you so quickly. How many of you could use that? Uh, we all are in a season for this to happen. So in Galatians uh, 6, verse 9, this is a very familiar passage. It says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So that's talking about the seasons of, you know, we, we like sowing and reaping. Many of us have been sowing and sowing and sowing, and, and when, uh, when a due time comes for that in due season, it doesn't say due time, it says a due season, that's a kairos. So in, in a kairos shift, you've been sowing and sowing and sowing, but you haven't seen the fruit of your sowing. I'm prophesying to you today that you're going to see a kairos season come. You've been sowing, and God's going to shift you into great prosperity where you've been sowing into kingdom. You've been sowing into uh, plans and purposes of God, and God is going to shift you into a Cairo season. Now, some of you that have been sowing poorly into, into a poor crop need to start praying now for crop failure. If you haven't been sowing into the right field, all right? So just start, I mean, that was, that was the good news and the bad news thing again, too. So, but we're, we'll, we'll move on, all right? Um, so we're, it's time for our harvest. Jeremiah 8, 7, it talks about the animals even know their times and seasons. So the stork in heaven knows her appointed time. The turtle, the crane, the swallow observe the time of their coming. And then God says this, but my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. So he's saying, my people don't know that, that I will judge. You know, in that, in that time frame. But God said, even the animals know when to migrate. They know when it gets too cold, you go to where it gets warm. If it's too warm, you go to where it gets cold. The animals, I mean, the butterflies know when to migrate. The, the birds move. And, and, but God says, but my people don't know their own seasons. And he wants us to have uh, an expectation, a season, a Cairo season holds a huge expectation for us. It is either met or it's not met. When God says it's your season to move, we are to have an expectation. Wow, I'm shifting into a Cairo season. It's going to be awesome. And yes, the enemy.
enemy's going to try to stop you. Yes, the enemy's going to lie to you. Yes, the enemy's going to say, God didn't do it before. How do you know if this is true? We have got to rise up and believe what God says. And if he says he's going to move that mountain, by golly, we got to dig our heels in and say, the Lord, you said you would move that mountain. And no water, no matter what, I will not be moved in my faith. Because the enemy knows our weak points, and he knows our stinking thinking. But if we can change the way we think, we can change our season. And that begins with renewing our minds and fully trusting the, the Lord. He really is watching over his word to perform it. I have a word for you. Where did you go? My friend, that, oh, the financial consultant. Emma, the Lord says, daughter, I have been watching over my word to perform it. And the enemy came to falsely accuse you and even say, you're not going to make it out of this. This is all your fault. And you've looked over your life and you said, Lord, is it something I did? Did I do something wrong? Am I not doing it right? And the Lord says, daughter, you're, you're hard on yourself. And the Lord says, I have always extended grace, great grace to you. But even from the time you were a child, you, had, you, you knew that there was more for you to do. And you set your sights high. And the Lord says, did I not anoint you to achieve all that was in your heart? Did I not lay a foundation of greatness for for you to walk on and become great in in the eyes of others? Did I not anoint you to be prosperous? And did I not give you education that would prepare you for for financial blessings and, and prosperity? And the Lord says, my arm is not so short that I cannot reach out and touch you even now, says God, for I am bringing you out of that dark hole. I'm bringing you out of that deep place. It seems impossible to come out of. And the Lord says, I am reaching out now and I am pulling you up out of the miry clay. And the Lord says, the enemy is trying to keep you held down. The enemy is trying to bombard you with negative thoughts. But the Lord says, daughter, I am cleansing your mind. I am I am cleansing your body. And the Lord says, I am moving your past, your past, says God. And the Lord says, I just see memories coming up that have been plaguing your thoughts. And the Lord says, daughter, it is a time to trust me again. You've trusted me before, but it's a new day, says God. And it's a new level for you. And I'm giving you greater authority to know things that you've never known before. And the Lord says, I'm increasing your discernment so that when you give advice, it's not like you've been, it's like recently you've been questioning yourself, like, am I really saying the right thing? Am I really, is this you, God? And the Lord says, there's going to be such keen discernment coming to you. The Lord says, you're going to know that you know that you know that what you get is from me. And the Lord says, there'll be no more hesitation. There'll be no more wavering. The Lord says, there'll be no more second guessing. Daughter, rise up and walk with me, says God. I'll show you the way, and you'll come into a great place of greatness, says the Lord. All right. Yes, let's give the Lord another hand clap. All right. So let's move on. I'm I'm all riled up now. Okay. See if I can get my bear and finish my 
finish my message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Where was I? Thank you. <laughs> so back in 1 Thessalonians 5.1, when uh, Apostle Paul was talking about the times and seasons, that he didn't have to, he should not have to write us to tell us and explain these things. We should know. Hopefully today, you know, you're going to leave here uh, in a divine shift. You know, you know, I've I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've been a Christian for a, a long time, but I've watched. You know, we get all excited, and you get a pumped up message because. I'm really pumped up right now, so I'm hoping that you're getting pumped up with me. But what we don't want to do is hang from the chandeliers. Like in Texas, some of the churches have chandeliers in their churches. And we'd be, you know, hanging from the chandeliers and just excited and God and jumping and shouting. And we got a great message. And, on, uh, and we're, you know, we're saying, Shondai, Shondai, Shondai on Sunday and on uh, Wednesday or Monday or Hyundai doesn't start. And so it's like, oh, I had a great day on Sunday, but, you know, the next day it's like, oh, you know, opposition, opposition. But we have got to get to the place that we hang on to what the Lord is declaring. We don't want to be weak Christians. We just come to church to get another hyped-up message. The message may be exciting, but we got to carry within us, we got to carry that word. The excitement is wonderful, but it's the word of the Lord that has to be birthed and brought forth into, into fruition. You're just getting pregnant with the potential right now. There is a potential for you to shift into your season. But you've got to leave this place and you've got to birth it. So lift your hands right now. I feel an anointing for this. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that is here right now. Father, you are anointing your people not just to be hearers of the word, but, Lord, to become doers of the word. Lord, impregnate them with breakthrough right now. Lord, release the seeds from heaven to break them out of a place of desolation, to break them out of a place of barrenness, oh God, to break them out of desperation and bring them into their kairos shift. And they birth it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's continue. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, Paul goes further here to explain, explain something to us about, about Kairos. So now I'm going to reel it in. I put it out there, but I want you to see what God did to Apostle Paul to catch him up. If you remember, he was not with Jesus when he was Saul. He was, he was Saul, but he wasn't with Jesus when he was teaching and, you know, doing kingdom ministry. So let's look at this. In this particular passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in this passage, he is with the, uh, the disciples. He's with uh, the, those that Jesus taught, and he is basically telling them that he knows what they know, even though he wasn't with them when they were with Jesus. All right, so let's look at this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, 
which you also received and wherein you stand. So he's, he's telling you, he's saying, okay, you other apostles out there, uh, but you know, they've been taught by Jesus personally. So here comes uh, 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 Paul who was Saul that they were afraid of, and he said, hey, uh, I've, I've preached this gospel to you. What you're hearing, I've preached it to you, and I know that you have received it too. But I, he's saying, basically, I know what you know. By which you are also saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. So he's just reminding them, again, what I preached to you, I know what I'm talking about. Because you know how much they doubted him. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So he's not, it'd be like us having somebody talk to us about breakthrough out of the Bible, and they're barely born again and have never experienced a breakthrough in their whole lives. See, um, it's hard, you, 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 you get a message that becomes yours because you walk through it. I cannot get up and give a message just out of knowledge of what I read in the Scripture. It has to be revelation knowledge that becomes real to me, and it works on the inside of me. And then I begin to release it with faith because I know I have experienced it. I have walked through it. I have birthed it. I have been there. But Apostle Paul is saying, I wasn't there with you, but I want you to know I've experienced something great, and I've got what you got, but I didn't get it the way that you did. Now, the, uh, the apostles, they're just astounded by this. Uh, they have no idea that he's even been with Jesus at all, with, uh, been with him, but, but Jesus has already been resurrected. So how can Paul talk like this out of experience? He had a catch-up time. All right, hang in here with me. He shifted into Cairo, so I'm going to show you. All right. Verse 4, and, at that, and that he was buried and rose up again the third day. So he said, I want you to know, I know he died and was resurrected. And he was seen of Cephas in the twelve. After that, he was seen of 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are, some are asleep or they're dead. After that, he was seen of James and all the apostles. He's just saying, I know that all these people saw him after he was resurrected. I want you to know I know that. And in verse 8, he says this, And last of all, he was seen of me also. Jesus appeared to Paul? How, 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 how did and he's basically saying, I know what you know because I saw him. As one, now look at this, this is real key, as one born out of due time. What is that, out of due time? He's born out of due time? What in the world does that mean? Well, let me just back up a little bit and talk about the history uh, of, of the church and Paul's life at that time. Because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there, Saul... Paul, who was once named Saul, Paul was about the same age, but he was on a completely different path. Jesus grew up in wisdom, began his ministry at age 30. For three and a half years, he was in ministry, teaching 
about the kingdom. He traveled around Syria, Jerusalem, and Galilee, around uh, and the Jordan, Israel area, around a 200 square mile radius. He was tried as a criminal. He was crucified as a criminal. He was hung on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, resurrected and ascended to heaven, and we still await his glorious return as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. While he was ministering, Paul, who was then Saul from Tarsus, was also at work. He was religious. He was a very highly, he was highly trained in Judaism and Phariseeism. He was a, a religious zealot, uh, became a right-wing zealot in politics and religion, sat at the feet of the most prominent teacher in the whole area, Gamaliel, uh, who was the most uh, famous and prominent, I should say, uh, religious teacher of that day. And Saul sat under him and learned phenomenal things about Scripture. But he was bitter. He was combative. He was angry. He was confronted. He was zealous for religion, and he was a religious antagonist. And when Jesus was preaching the message about the kingdom, Saul was on the complete opposite side of Jesus. On Pentecost, Saul was so convinced that everyone in the upper room was wrong, the whole experience of the Pentecost was wrong, he was so convinced that, that they were wrong that uh, he decided they had to be stopped because that was, you know, the first church was being birthed. So he took it upon himself to stop the movement of the church. Because he was in very high stature in religion and politics, he gained Roman citizenship and there found a way to influence the government to uh, seize the Christians, persecute them, and even murder some, have some of them murdered. They were imprisoned, persecuted, and often murdered. He thought everyone else was wrong but him. Now, tick-tock time for Saul was going on in chronological order. He missed three and a half years of Jesus' ministry concerning the kingdom. He was never reached by Jesus' ministry on earth at all. He missed the kingdom ministry. He missed the crucifixion. He missed the resurrection. He missed the upper room experience. He missed the times that Jesus visited the disciples. Remember when they took, uh, he came and met with them uh, after his resurrection. He missed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He missed, the he missed Pentecost. And during all of that time, he took a stand against Pentecost and was imprisoning Christians. But he did witness the first martyrdom of the church, which was when they murdered Stephen. They stoned him to death for his faith in Christ. He is the one that held the coats of all of those who picked up a stone to hurl at Stephen 
So I can just imagine Saul standing there and saying, Hey, let me hold your coat. I may not throw a stone that well, but let me help you hit the mark. Paul, then Saul. He stood and watched as they murdered Stephen in cold blood. And Stephen was the first martyr in the New Testament. Saul was on the wrong side. But there was something very interesting that was also going on in the church at this time. If you remember, um, it was Judas who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, right? And then after the death of Jesus, or, or actually during the whole time that Jesus was being crucified and the whole all of that that took place, Judas hung himself because of what he had done. That left a uh, that uh, they had twelve apostles. That left an empty spot. So now they only have eleven. So Peter says, "Oh, we got to find somebody to take his place. We we need twelve. Jesus appointed twelve, so we got to have twelve. And so they come up with this great idea that they're going to cast lots and find out who God might want to fulfill that position. So I don't know, I mean, casting lots back, back then was one thing, but for us today we might say something ridiculous like, let's draw straws, and let's just see who God might want in that position. <laughs> you know, you really need to pray sometimes about who you put in a position, but that's pretty much what happened here because uh, Matthias is the one that was elected by casting lots, but we never hear anything about what he did. He never established a church. He's supposed to be an apostle, and he just kind of falls off the pages of the New Testament. We can't really find out anything important that he did. So what was all that about? Well, God had a better way. All along, God had Saul in mind. Someone that God wanted to rename as Paul caused him to be radically saved and changed, write almost two-thirds of the New Testament, a man that could be changed and give God all the glory and would reach the entire Gentile world. Can you imagine God going to the angels? They're going to, oh, God, you know, there's an empty space. Who do you want us to go and minister to? Which heir of salvation do you want us to go to? And God's going, uh, Saul, what? Saul, the, you know, he's persecuting the Christians. God, you know, you usually send us down there for the Christians to help them fight against Saul. Now you want us to go there and help Saul? I mean, I imagine they were astounded by this. But see, God knew that Saul, and this is, this is important for us today, God knew that Saul was only a product of what he himself had been taught by the religious system. 
So that tells me today when God begins to bring Saul's into the house of God that are potential Paul's, that we need to look at them and realize they are a product of what the families have taught them, the other pastors have taught them, what the religious system has taught them, and we cannot judge them for the way they come in. We've got to look at them with eyes of potential. Yes, there may be some instruction. Yes, there may be some correction. Yes, there needs to be some teachability within them. Yes, they need to have the fat principle, faithful, available, and teachable. We need all that, but at the same time, we've got to see with a new lens in this season. They're not going to come in all cleaned up and perfected. It would be so much easier as a pastor if, and believe me, I'm a pastor. I would like for them all to be ready for me just to take them and take them on the road and get them going. But every time they're, they're not ready for the road and I take them on the road, it is not a good thing. It's like every demon manifests overseas. Things I never even saw before I left home, I'd get them on a plane, land in another place, and every demon in the, I mean, just, it's like, why, Lord, why didn't you warn me? They just sometimes aren't ready. But that should never allow us to keep from seeing their potential. Now, so here is Saul. Let me get back on track so I can reel this in and minister to some of you. Here's Saul now. The Bible says that when he was on uh, the road to Damascus, Saul was carrying papers in his pocket with people's names and addresses so that he could go seize them and take them to prison and persecute them. So he's riding on his way to town, on Damascus Road, on his donkey, all prideful, lifted up. He was on his high horse. I've got the government on my side. I got the best teacher. I'm the most well-educated. I'm smart. I got degrees. I'm sophisticated. And God literally knocked him off his mule <laughs> on the road to Damascus. And he cried out, Oh, who art thou, O Elohim? I mean, he's like, Elohim was the highest title for God. We say Lord. The Jews say El, E-L, uh, which is the name of God. Basically, he's like, who, who, who are you? You know, I'm thinking I'm on the right side here. What just happened? And who are you? I don't know you. And, of course, we know that Jesus, he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. God, I mean, Jesus was basically telling him, you're on the wrong side. You missed my teaching. You missed being my disciple. You missed the resurrection. You missed the day of Pentecost. But I'm going to turn your life around. And here is what I'm going to do. 
And we know the story that his eyes, you remember his eyes were blinded. And it, you know, there was so much light that what happened, it was, it was so bright that scales formed on his eyes and he couldn't see. And it came, that was because of the really bright light. And um, the, the people that have studied this passage have said that the brightness caused the cornea uh, of the eye to scale over. Eventually, over time, Hopefully that does heal, but sometimes people go completely blind. I mean, it's like those people that watch the eclipses without the proper sunshades or whatever. Do y'all do that here? All right, because we have to, I don't know what it's like. Y'all on, on the other side of the whatever out here. I thought I was going downhill. Julie told me I went uphill, so I'm not really sure. I, I'm down under and still going up. I can't figure it out. She's, so she's, I guess I'm turned around in the right direction finally. But anyway, so his cornea was probably burned and scales, it was like it was scabs. It's like big scabs being on your eyes. And, and God tells him, says, all right, now, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, God said, you're going to go to a street called Straight. Ananias is going to baptize you with uh, water. And in the name of Jesus, he's going to pray for you. And more, and what happened was, and you know the story, and it, more than just his eyes were opened, he himself became opened to what all God wanted to do. He was blind for three days. Now, God has to get somebody to go deal with him. So he picked Ananias. Imagine, you know, we know this too. Ananias is gasping. What? You want me to go to Saul, and you want me to do what? He, and God's like, yeah, I know. He's, he's got your address with him, but it's okay. <laughs> so Saul is shaking in his sandaled feet, <laughs> and he goes and he baptizes him, and, and we all know the story. He prays for him. His eyes are opened, and um, he, he was forever changed. But he was three days in the dark. And Jesus was three days in the dark. So I believe that there was some significance in that, like a death, burial, and resurrection kind of a thing went on with Saul too. But listen to this. God gives Saul a makeup course. See, the kingdom, Saul had been in normal tick-tock time over here living his life, but the kingdom of God kept moving in Kairos divine interruptions you know pentecost was a divine interruption in their everyday tiktok time there was a shift and a birthing into something great right and so the kingdom of god even though saul was persecuting the christians and doing his thing their their church kept marching on thank you jesus Saul has an anointing, but he was always in his own prideful time. And God literally had to knock him out of that position and ar basically arrest him to shift him. The kingdom, of, and basically God was, it was saying to him, the kingdom of God, Paul, or Saul at that time, the kingdom of God is several laps ahead of you right now. But I'm going to let you cut in. 
what happened was that Saul was in an Arabian desert after this experience for three and a half years. Now remember, he missed three and a half years of Jesus' ministry on earth. But now he finds himself after this in a desert for three and a half years. What's going on? Well, let's look at something and, and that Apostle Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians, verse 11. He's talking about communion here. For I received from the Lord, which I also passed on to you. All right, so he's saying, hey, guys, this is what I received from the Lord that I'm also sharing with you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance for me. In the same way, after supper, took the cup, saying, This cup is of new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, how did he know that? The disciples didn't even understand what Jesus had just done at that time. How did Apostle Paul know that they took communion and that is what Jesus told them. It's because he spent three and a half years in the desert and God was catching him up to speed. So he's telling the disciples, I know what happened. You don't know that I know, but I know. And I believe they were probably astounded like nobody else was in the room with them. But he knows. And, you know, they weren't talking about it because, you, you know, you know the controversy that went around communion, drinking blood and eating somebody's body. I mean, that, caught, that was causing real havoc in the church. And, you, and they just, you know, they weren't really sure how to present it. And do we, we talk about that? And what are people going to do? If we say? So it wasn't something like everybody like, yeah, we got it. We ever, you know, no. This was private. They're still trying to assimilate what God told them and what Jesus did. They're, they're not really sure. And yet here comes this guy that wasn't even there that told them how it was going to be. He caught him up to speed. He wasn't there. God, what had happened? God took him out of tick-tock, tick-tock, do-your-thing time and gives him a leg up into breakthrough. Put him right in to a Kairos moment. Have you ever felt left behind or lost an opportunity, like I said earlier, made a bad decision, and you regret losing time with God? One of the, as, an, as a pastor, we have a lot of altar calls, and one of the things that is I hear over and over and over from people is I regret all the time I lost when I could have been fruitful being used by God. But if we have the understanding that nothing is really lost, that God always has a plan, and whatever he has prophesied over us, he has a plan to redeem it, if we've gotten out of time, if we've missed our season, we are in a season where we're taking it back. We're getting it back. He's re 
restoring what we have lost, church. I'm telling you, your new season is coming. The bad news is some have been left behind. But the good news is God's going to catch you up. Have you ever been in a, a, a grocery line and you're standing there with your basket full of groceries and there's a long line and you're just like, like I usually send my husband like, hey, Mickey, go. He usually leaves and he's already trying to find another lane that might have, you know, I can get in faster because we're so impatient. I am, I am impatient about lines, driving and getting a line or you, wherever there's a line, I don't like lines. But when somebody comes and picks you out and says, well, here, let me just take your best. Come over here. We have an open lane. Whoa. That's how this, this is what God wants to do. He wants to give you a leg up in this. He wants to catch you up to speed. He wants to give you a breakthrough. Now, some of you out there may be saying, oh, I don't know if this is for me. I just don't know if I'm really called. This is great for some of them, but, you know, who am I? I really, I, I'm just, you know, I just come, and I try to come when I can. Well, are you here? If you're here, this is for you. If you, if you are here, come on now. This message is for you. It is your catch-up time for breakthrough. I want to close with this passage in Joel chapter 2. It's one of my most favorite verses. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. It shows you how God can catch us up uh, to speed. It says, I will restore unto you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Such a message of restoration. What I never understood until recently is that all these insects, all four of these insects, are different states of the very same bug. It's kind of like a, a butterfly starts off with a, a worm, a caterpillar, but then it emerges into a butterfly, the transformation. It's like this bug transforms into different states. It all originates with the very same bug, but it, but it eats away at, at a tree. And what, 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 this, what these do is they eat all the leaves off of a tree. They eat the bark off the tree, and they eat away the root system. You know, and we're basically called trees of righteousness, right, in the, in the Word. So it's like the enemy has come, and he has stripped us. And, you know, the leaves represent, um, I mean, it represents life. It's, uh, it's, you know, we know that leaves, it's how the sun hits the leaves, turns the sunlight into energy, and that's what gives the tree energy to live. And, and then you have the bark on a tree that gives that tree protection and covering, and it keeps it from weather, you know, being weathered. And then, you know, the root system is what keeps the sta uh, tree stable and keeps, keeps it from wavering and, and actually falling over. And it's like the Lord looked out at his trees of people, and he sees them 
dying. He sees that they're naked. They've, they've been stripped away. They've, some of them aren't covered. They, they're afraid of submitting to a, an authority figure. They're, you know, we have to be submitted to godly authority in order to grow and mature in the things of God. That's not just me saying that because I'm in authority. That's because that's what God says. We, we need to be properly spiritually covered, but, but because we've made a lot of mistakes in life, some of us are standing there and we're feeling naked and ashamed. And God sees our nakedness, and then he looks and he sees there's no life in that tree. They, they've lost the ability to receive the sunlight into their systems, and there's no energy, and they're tired, and they're weary. And then he, he notices that there's no stable root system, and they're wavering. They're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. They're, they're having a very difficult time standing. But I'm saying to you today, those of you that have been wavering, you felt like you couldn't stand. You felt as if the enemy kept coming in continually to cause you to be moving from one place to the other. You never found stability in a job. You couldn't find stability in a relationship. You could not find stability in a church. God says, I am bringing stability to you. I am going to restore to you what has been lost. And even though you have found that you could not trust others, the Lord says, I'm going to restore to you a trust in godly leadership so that you can grow. You can be planted and you can grow and you can be mature and you can be sent forth to demonstrate my kingdom in a new way. And those of you that have felt tired and weary and you have tried to do things in your own strength, God says, today I'm going to give you a supernatural strength that you will accomplish all that you set your heart to do. But the enemy has come to discourage you. The enemy has come to steal from you and try to even destroy you. This is a day of a Cairo shift in your body, says God. This is a day of healing and restoration. And those of you that have felt naked and ashamed, and shame has tried to clothe you and keep you tied to your past, the Lord is going to cover you. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to cover you, and you will feel safe again. There's someone here that has not felt safe. There's been so much pain. There's been abuse. God says, I brought you to a safe place today. There may be a visitor here. You, do, you have not been able to find a safe place. God says, I brought you here by purpose and a plan. This is a safe place. This is a forever place. That's a prophetic word to somebody. You're wavering. You just don't know where you fit. This is a place to fit. I just I don't normally say things like this, but someone here needs to fit. You're a piece of a puzzle, and you felt like it. You didn't fit anywhere. This is a day to lock in. Some people are wavering. Do I don't know. Is this this is a good safe house? You can fit. Let your puzzle piece help complete an entire purpose and a plan, a bigger picture. You're part of a bigger picture. You're going to get your roots back. You're going to get your covering back. Amen. Amen.
God's speaking to some of you today. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. Come on. Lord, we thank you for your glory. Touch us now. We want your glory. Do you want it? Oh, we want your glory. We want to see it. Experience it, Lord. Oh, we don't want we don't want to just hear about it. We don't want to just shout about it. Lord, we don't want to just sing about it. We want to experience it and demonstrate it. Brad the Lord says, Pastor Brad the Lord says, and I'm gonna speak to her, even though she's not here, son and daughter. The Lord says, son and daughter, the Lord says, you will be a demonstration of my glory. And what you bring in this house and what you pour out in this house from what I teach you will release others to come forth and also demonstrate what I have taught you. You are not two people that just get up and talk. You're, you're two people that share from your heart. And there are, these are things that you have walked through. And God says, son and daughter, you're not just going to prophesy. You're going to be the prophecy, says God. And that means you have to experience what I uh, show you. And the Lord says, it's not been an easy walk. But the Lord says, it's going to be a walk that I have anointed and I am going to use. And the Lord says, son and daughter, get ready, get ready, get ready. The floodgates are opening up. And God says, there's going to be a river flowing out of this house that is going to sweep through this city. And the Lord says, it, it's the, it is the right time. This, you're in the right season for the evangelism thrust. This is not just something you thought was a good idea. This was birthed in from me into your spirit. And even though some people have said we don't have enough people, we just don't know how we're going to pull this off, and even criticism has risen against you, the Lord says, I'm proud of you because you have not followed the voice of man, but you have set your face like flint to follow my direction. And the Lord says, I've given you this vision because I can trust you with it, says God. And the Lord says, go with it, flow with it, move with it, says God. And you're going to see an outpouring in this city, in this area. And the Lord says, they'll come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They'll come from the metroplex. The Lord says, they'll come from miles away for the anointing that is upon this house. And the Lord says, son and daughter, you're going to raise up sons and daughters. And the Lord says, you'll be sending them out. There will be some that you send out to plant apostolically. But the Lord says, there will be many, many, many that will be planted in this house and will remain sons and daughters to help continue the work that goes on here. You're a training and you're an equipping church, but more than that, you're my church. So don't just focus on the training and the equipping. Focus on my church and what I want this church to be. You'll be different than other people. You're not going to pattern yourself after other people. You have a unique flavor. And God says, I want to use that uniqueness. 
So, Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for this son and daughter and their children. Lord, I just release double portion blessings. I know they've heard that over and over, but this is Kairos double portion. This is the fulfillment, God, of double portion. This is when they see their eyes. Their eyes are going to see the release of double portion. So I thank you for the shift into a Kairos time. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray right now that you heal her body and that you touch her, oh God, from the top of her head to the very soles of her feet. And Lord, the joy of the Lord is going to become her strength. Lord, I thank you for catching her up, her mind, her body, and her spirit. Catch up time, chronos time, kairos time, Lord coming forth in Kairos time and nothing else matters in a shift like God wants to give you. Nothing nothing in the past matters. When God shifts us into a Kairos moment, he takes us out of sometimes a desolate place like he did Saul and catches him up to speed. So I pray that for you, my precious sister, for God is going to catch you up to speed. And how many of you will believe that with me? In Jesus' name. I want everybody here. Go ahead and everybody stand. Come on, everybody stand. My message, normally I would just keep going and prophesying, but I don't, I don't feel that from the Holy Spirit. What I feel is, I mean, my whole message was a prophetic message. If you'll catch what was said and prophesying through all that. but what, And besides that, I'm, I, I'm a little bit still tired. I think I'm tired from my plane trip, and I'm fixing to go home tomorrow. So I think I'll be rested by tomorrow, and then I'm going home. But anyway, go figure. I'm going to have to stay longer next time. <laughs> what I want to do is we're, I want us to all, we're going to shift. And it, we got a few more. We're, it's right at noontime. I'm so, some of you are probably hungry. We're going we're gonna to beat the Baptist to the Piccadilly cafeteria. We have a Piccadilly in Texas. So on the count of three, there's a big wall coming down, the wall to your past. But we're gonna on the count of three. We're gonna sh- we're gonna shout shift S H I F T shift. And I want you to say it until you just keep. If you have to say shift shift shift, I want you to say it with such a determination and such an aggression. Can you imagine when they walked marched around that wall at Jericho? By the time they were able to shout, don't you know it was an aggressive shout of faith? I mean, that's all they could do was shout. Well, this is all we're going to do. But I want you to put everything you have in it, and I want you to see yourself shifting into favor from God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, ready? One, 